Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the latest evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, soon to be author of The Science of Nutrition out December the 30th, 2021, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, we are going to be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with our trusted expert advice. Caffeine has firmly cemented its place in many of our lives on a daily or even hourly basis. For many, this signals the start of a new day, and gives us that much needed energy boost. But should we all be reliant on caffeine? And what exactly are the pros and the cons? This week's Food for Thought, I've been waiting for for so long, sees Maeve Hanan and I uncover whether we should be consuming caffeine or not, and what the attributes of it truly are. Hello, Maeve. Hello, thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I know we were speaking before we got on the recording, and I was thinking, what was our last episode? And it was binge eating, wasn't it? It's a very different subject to today's. Yes. Yeah, that was early on in lockdown. Feels like such a long time ago. I know. I feel like that that life, the time of my life then was such a blur. And Mm -hmm. perhaps this subject is actually very appropriate because I'm sure a lot of people have actually drunk a lot more um, caffeine during lockdown. And in the UK, we've got a stat now that we drink approximately, just wait for it, 95 million cups of coffee per day. How have we all become this addicted to a cuppa? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good question. Um, and worldwide as well, it's one of the most popular drinks out there. And I think there's a few reasons. So I think one of the biggies is the stimulant effect that we get from coffee and caffeinated mm. drinks. So feeling more alert. But I think there's a few other things going on as well. So obviously taste, you know, if people actually enjoy the taste of tea or coffee, and we're talking about coffee now in particular. And then there's also, you know, the ritual that goes along with it. So it might be part of your morning routine or your mid-morning break. And, you know, even 
and that ritual of kind of getting up and making that cup of coffee. And for a lot of us, you know, there's an element of socializing can come into it, you know, meeting a friend for a coffee. And on the other hand as well, then coffee and caffeine can be physically addictive as well. And there can be unpleasant side effects of withdrawal. Mm. So that can obviously promote people to continue to, to consume it. Yeah, it's one of those subjects where I feel people get quite emotive about their cup of coffee. But equally, I think caffeine and coffee are very confused. I think it's important to remind everybody that caffeine is found within coffee. So what exactly is caffeine, Maeve? Yeah, good place to start. So caffeine is a natural chemical and we get it in a number of different plants, often in the leaves and the beans of the plants. And it's a psychoactive substance. So that means it has an impact on how our brain works. Mm. So it can actually stimulate our central nervous system. And what it's really doing is it can block the action of a neurotransmitter. So this chemical messenger in the brain called adenosine. So it can stop this from binding to its receptor. And really what adenosine does is it builds up over the day and it makes us feel tired. And it also helps to reduce our heart rate. So if we have caffeine that's kind of blocking that effect, then, you know, we get the opposite. So it means that we feel more awake and it can also impact our blood pressure and increase that in the short term. Mm. So quite an immense biological effect on our body because there's lots of things that caffeine can do there. And I think, I mean, that's pretty obvious why people want to take it, I guess, they're so reliant on it awakening their body if that's the sense but I think when we hear that word caffeine we do think of coffee but there are other items that I think we consume aren't there on a daily basis that contain caffeine yeah I do think that mainly when we think of caffeine you know we think of coffee because it's generally the most concentrated source of caffeine that we consume um but we also get it in tea and not just, you know, black tea or English breakfast tea, also in green tea, in white tea. We get it in matcha as well, in chocolate, energy drinks, cola, certain medications and sports supplements contain caffeine mm. as well. So there's actually quite a few places where we can get caffeine. Yeah. And I guess um, people maybe aren't aware of how much they're taking because... Mm. I mean, for instance, I could easily get through a whole bar of chocolate in the evening and, you know, I like the dark stuff and there's even more caffeine in the, the darker the cocoa you go. So how much should we be taking, I think, would be really helpful for everybody listening and why? Yeah. So the European Food Safety Authority, they've looked at all the studies that we have related to this and they have come up with the conclusion that 400 milligrams of caffeine per day is a safe amount for most healthy adults. So just to kind of put that into context. So if we think of a typical mug of tea that would contain about 75 milligrams of caffeine, a typical mug of instant coffee would be about 100 milligrams or for filtered coffee, it would be about 140 milligrams. So that generally means, you know, if it's just tea, then it would be about five mugs of tea would give us about the 400 milligrams. Um, or if it was instant coffee, it would be about four mugs of instant coffee. And then it's kind of two or three cups for the filtered coffee. 
Right. So EFSA then, they've also looked at um, kind of, you know, one serving and they also recommend kind of up to 200 milligrams in a serving. So, you know, not to have like a really high amount of caffeine all at once. And then we have some other recommendations for different life stages. Um, So in pregnancy and breastfeeding, it's half of that amount. So it's 200 milligrams maximum. Mm. And why is that exactly? So why should people be worried? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess in pregnancy, let's start with that. And then we can go on after to discuss the addictive nature. Yeah, so in pregnancy, um, so what can happen is the caffeine can pass through the placenta to the fetus. And the reason then that, um, that that may be harmful is that there's a possibility that that can be linked with birth defects, premature delivery can impact fertility as well. Um, it's been linked with low birth weight babies and a possible risk of miscarriage. Um, so that's really why the recommendation is there in pregnancy as a precaution to um, have no more than the 200 milligrams. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, reading the research associated to low birth weights or miscarriage and things with caffeine, I think it is important to take it very seriously if, if you happen to be pregnant listening or you know someone, just, just to remind them, oh, you know, it's in, but kindly because it, you don't want to be giving unsolicited advice, but it's in chocolate as well and it could be in your supplements just have a look out for it and why does it have this addictive tendency because I think for a lot of my clients in the nutrition clinic a goal we we will have for instance if someone comes to me taking six cups a day Mm -hmm. I will obviously try and reduce that within our first sessions and it's hard it's a difficult thing for people to do yeah it is because you know caffeine withdrawal is actually a known disorder from the World Health Organization, from the American Psychiatric Association, and the type of effect that it can have on us. It can impact our mood. It can cause headaches, fatigue, difficulties concentrating. So, you know, people can feel really bad if they're trying to reduce their caffeine intake, if they're consuming it regularly. And the reason for that is because it actually can be physically addictive. So, if we go back to the kind of the biological side of things, um, the brain cells can start to reduce more of those adenosine receptors. So basically, mm. you know, the caffeine is blocking um, the the effect of the adenosine there. So the, the brain cells will start to produce more of those receptors to compensate for the fact that that's being blocked by the caffeine, which then leads to that higher tolerance. So, you know, you need more and more caffeine to have the same effect that you might have had in the beginning and then if we throw Mm. into the mix if you try to reduce that that often we get those withdrawal symptoms and so it's often for kind of one to two days people can feel those symptoms but it can last for up to as long as nine days for some people Mm. yeah and I think um, perhaps there's also another element of people relying on caffeine to produce their bowel movements in the morning. I think a lot of people see suddenly as well that their digestion is also impacted by this. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I guess that that can be a pro or a con. So for some Mm. people, it's really helpful in terms of stimulating their gut, particularly if they struggle with constipation. For other people, if they struggle with IBS and they might be more prone to loose stools and then, you know, caffeine thrown into the mix there, particularly coffee, um, may, may stimulate the gut too much or actually irritate the gut. And so that's where, again, a lot of it comes down to the individual tolerance and the individual situation. 
Mm, yeah, 100%. Now, I, I guess I've started off being a, a tiny bit negative unintentionally. And I think we should also talk about the benefits because there's two sides to everything. And I guess there's a lot of research, isn't there, supporting caffeine just as much as there is not supporting it. Yeah, there really is. So if we look at kind of moderate caffeine intake, so that's somewhere around the 400 milligrams per day that we were talking about then we do have quite good evidence that that can help to improve the alertness and cognitive function. So really that thinking ability, also mood, memory and learning. Um, so it can really, really help in that context. And there's a few other areas as well. I know we mentioned um, the gut side of things and for some people that can be really helpful. Sports performance, that's quite a significant one as well. Um, so having at least three milligrams of caffeine per kg of your body weight um, an hour before exercise has been seen to improve endurance and also then having kind of a similar amount or maybe a slightly higher, maybe four milligrams um, caffeine per kg body weight can also help to reduce the perceived effort of exercise. So I think they'd be two of the big areas in terms yeah. of the benefits of caffeine. Mm, yeah, 100%. I think... Um exercise in particular um and productivity yeah there's two there's yeah. two huge things there um but do you think everybody would feel more productive on caffeine or only a select few when we're looking at this research yeah so it's, it's a really important point to mention that like everything that we're saying here about caffeine there is individual tolerance and another kind of significant side effect of caffeine can be anxiety and particularly mm. in those who are more prone to anxiety, they may be more sensitive to the effects of caffeine as well. So again, for most people, that sort of 400 milligrams a day um, doesn't tend to have much of an impact on anxiety, but some people may be more sensitive to caffeine. So again, in that sense, um, they may feel that actually they need to have less caffeine. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that we haven't touched on yet is sleep as well. Yes, yes. So that's obviously a really big one, because if, if caffeine is having this this strong impact on alertness and making us feel awake, then we really don't want that before bed. I mean, thinking about caffeine and the shelf life, when would be the last um, cup of the day if you were to advise, you know, your clients, so what time would you say, cut it out? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah, so, so caffeine can stay in our system for at least five to six hours. Um, 
if we're looking at kind of the half-life of caffeine. Um, but, you know, some of that can still, like a smaller amount can still be in our system up to 12 hours. So mm. really, I think the ideal time is around mid-morning so that it's yeah, not too close yeah. to bedtime. And also there's a bit of evidence that with our, our stress hormone levels, our cortisol levels can be slightly higher when we wake up. So actually waiting a little bit. So rather than having it first thing, having it mid-morning, um, it may be slightly better. But really, I think that the main thing is not too close to bed, at least a six hour gap between your last caffeinated drink mm -hmm. and bedtime. And what would you say to those people? Because um, I know a few that um, are traditionally, oh, I have a cup of coffee after dinner in the evening and I sleep just fine. I'm sure you've heard that as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So some people may feel that it doesn't impact their ability to fall asleep. But what we see from the research is that it still impacts your sleep quality. So even mm. if you feel like, OK, I'm falling asleep fine, actually having that caffeine in your system means that you're not getting that same level of quality of sleep. And also just to add with tea and coffee in particular, having that too close to a meal. So having it, say, after dinner in that example um, can block iron absorption. So really, we want to be spacing out tea and coffee um, at least an hour away from meals. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Because I think, um, like I said, it's an emotive subject, and I think a lot of it stems from generations, or it's part of it's a cultural thing as well. I think there's so mm. many aspects to this drink that. Um, I mean, I remember my grandmother having a shot of espresso after dinner. Um, it was just just her thing that she she liked to do, and I guess for a lot of people it may be more habitual than needed. And I like the thing you said about not having it when you first wake up because mm -hmm. it's not great, is it, for the digestive system to wake up, not hydrate fully and have a cup of coffee? Yeah, so with, um, you know, caffeine can have a diuretic effect as well. So it can um, stimulate our body to produce more urine. And it's generally not an issue. So when we hear that, you know, tea and coffee dehydrates us. That's not really true because mm. of the fluid in the drink itself, you know, mm. counteracts that effect. Um, but for somebody, say, who's struggling with um, urine incontinence, then it would be, you know, recommended to be much more careful with that. Um, but really, yeah, we, we do want to, you know, a lot of people say, you know, hydrate before you caffeinate. Um, <laughs> and I think it is, you know, a good habit to get into to, you know, mm. start today feeling hydrated. Um, and, you know, again, maybe there's individual circumstances where having that cup of coffee first thing, you know, really helps with someone's digestive health. Um, but yeah, generally that sort of like mid-morning is a good time. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I feel like I've gone down a negative trail again. So leading it back to those people out that are going, but what about the exercise? You've touched on it. Yeah. What can we delve into when it comes to people that are about to go to the gym and they're having a, I don't know, they're like, oh, I'm going to go have a workout. I'm going to go for a run. I must have my coffee before. Yeah. So as we were saying, you know, the, there are real benefits when it comes to sports performance to the extent that caffeine actually used to be a banned substance by the World Anti-Doping Agency. So I kind of that just really tells us how effective wow. it can be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we tend to feel the benefit within about 30 to 60 minutes. Um, as I mentioned, it's often the sort of three to four milligrams of caffeine per kg body weight um, that a lot of the benefits are seen from. And it is about, um, again, there is individual tolerance and it's definitely about trying it out. And, you know, we'd always say 
you know, don't play around with adding in caffeine, you know, on the day of a big event or race or something like that. Mm. And because of those side effects we mentioned in terms of your gut or, you know, even the feelings of anxiety and things. Um, So it is something that on an individual basis you can experiment with, um, you know, having it that kind of 30 to 60 minutes before exercise. And you can get it in different forms. So we mentioned tea and coffee. but, you know, there's lots of sports supplements as well that just contain caffeine or maybe caffeine is part of another kind of overall sports supplement. Mm. Yeah, and I love that about the fact that it was actually banned. Um, so interesting. I'm sure um, every athlete now, I mean, we work with a few and they do they do like to time their caffeine consumption pre-sport. So, um, yeah, I think maybe anybody's missing out if they're not relying on the caffeine before the game, it sounds like. Um, do you need to be concerned um, if you are that type of person that feels I can never, ever cut it down? Mm-hmm. How Are there any health concerns linked to caffeine here? Any correlations with those types of individuals? Yeah, so I know we were, we were speaking there about um, you know, the impact it can have and I guess some of those kind of short-term withdrawal symptoms. Um, in the longer run, so so really what I'd say is that the benefits tend to outweigh the risks within that moderate consumption. So that's sort mm. of 400 milligrams that we we're talking about. And also, I know we're talking about caffeine, but if we bring it back to, you know, say coffee in particular, you know, being one of the most common formats that people are consuming caffeine in, you know, we get other things apart from caffeine in coffee. So we're getting antioxidants mm. and polyphenols. Um, and, you know, drinking coffee in particular is linked with a lower risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancer, you know, a lower risk of early death overall. So mm. there's kind of all those benefits to consider as well. But if we kind of bring it back to um, what might be some of the longer term things to consider. Um, so I mentioned that, you know, caffeine can impact our blood pressure but it's mainly in the short term that we see that impact. And as I said, you know, even coffee in particular is actually associated with a reduced risk of heart disease overall. But it is advised that if somebody has high blood pressure to have no more than four cups of coffee per day. And I mentioned um, those with incontinence as well are advised to be careful about their caffeine intake and also about, you know, the impact on iron absorption. So spacing that Mm. out um, from food. And then there's also a possible link, um, again, this is about coffee in particular, about the impact on cholesterol levels, because yeah. coffee contains some natural oils, uh, one of them is called calfstall, that might impact the body's ability to kind of regulate and remove cholesterol. Um, so that's mainly with kind of French press coffee rather than filtered coffee that can remove some of those oils. So, you know, there's a few possible things to consider there. Uh, But really, again, if it's within that moderate amount, if it's not impacting your sleep negatively, if it's not making you feel more anxious, um, then for most people, you know, the benefits often outweigh the risks in moderation. That's so interesting. I think we should definitely just touch on iron absorption a little bit more as well there, Mm because I think a lot of people might be, hang on, I have coffee with my breakfast every day. Yeah. Yeah, it is something that maybe not everybody knows about. So, It's because, and it's not because of the caffeine, it's even if you're having decaf tea or coffee, um, it's because of the tannins that we have in there. Um, So again, these um, kind of like a polyphenol type compound. Um, Mm. And 
that can block some of that iron absorption. Um, so really that recommendation is to try and leave an hour gap between having tea or coffee and having an iron containing meal. So, you know, a lot of our meals are going to contain some form of iron, um, whether it's red meat or a fortified cereal or eggs or beans. So really to get the most from that, and particularly if you have a lower iron intake anyway, so maybe you follow a plant-based diet uh, or if you have any issues with your iron levels, and um, then it's extra important to have that gap. Okay. Yeah. Very, very helpful. Thank you so much. And then I think the final question I've got is, or maybe maybe two more, is, is more about the consumption of maybe fizzy drinks or sugar-sweetened beverages, as, as we would say. And children or teenagers, things that contain caffeine, does it have a completely different impact on the younger generations? Yeah. So, I mean, children are seen to be more sensitive to caffeine than adults. You know, again, they have a smaller body size, so it's, you know, it would be a more concentrated amount for them. Um, and earlier on, I spoke about um, EFSA and the recommendations in terms of kind of the safe level for adults. So we don't really have that same like specific safe level when it comes to children. But what EFSA have said is that possibly around kind of three milligrams per kg body weight um, for children um, and adolescents, you know, maybe that kind of safe amount, but it's it's not as uh, clear really as when it comes to adults. And they also caution that having more than five milligrams per kg body weight for children may increase irritability, anxiety, nervousness. Mm. And then I guess, you know, we need to think about those other side effects, like the digestive issues we were mentioning and um, the impact on sleep the kind of jitteriness, concentration. So they'd be some of the main things to be aware of when it comes to, you know, children and adolescents with caffeine. And another biggie actually is that, you know, too much caffeine can interfere with calcium absorption and may impact yes. bone health. And it's such mm. an important stage for bone development, you know, during adolescence. Um, so that's where, you know, we wouldn't want children in particular, um, but also adolescents, you know, we don't want children containing too much caffeine, and then particularly younger adolescents as well. Um, so definitely being aware of, as you mentioned, like cola drinks, energy drinks, chocolate, and then also tea and coffee. So do you think there should be a moral responsibility? I mean, there seems to be a bit of a dilemma here as to whether brands should even be offering these products with caffeine in them, because, you know, a lot of the time they know that younger generations are going to be consuming them. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's one of those that it's a tricky one because, um, as you're saying, a lot of younger people will be consuming like kind of the colas and the energy drinks and things, um, you know, but also, you know, adults do as well. And, you know, sometimes even in sports and things, people are using the energy drinks. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's it's important to have decaf versions available as well or caffeine free versions. And, you know, that goes for tea and coffee as well, because, you know, adults or children, again, we have that individual tolerance. And if somebody just doesn't tolerate caffeine well, or maybe it's, you know, it's past the point where they don't want to drink caffeine too close to bedtime. Um, I think it's really helpful to have the decaf option. And mm. if we bring it back to, you know, those benefits that I was talking about in terms of coffee and health, um, you know, we still get a lot of the benefits from the decaf versions except for kind of the stimulating effect of caffeine, but we still get, you know, the benefits from the antioxidants in the decaf versions of tea and coffee. 
Yeah, no, very, very well answered. And there's always a lot of points to consider when we think of these things. Now, we've got some questions from our listeners for you. Um, we'll start with one from Claudia. Claudia said, I get a lot of heartburn and I drink a lot of fizzy drinks and chocolates. Would this help me gradually reduce this or does it matter? Yeah, so there is a possible link um, between kind of caffeine and coffee and heartburn um, related to the impact on the acid in our stomach. And then also when it comes to fizzy drinks, you know, obviously that can impact kind of the amount of gas in the digestive system, um, mm. which can be playing a role when it comes to reflux as well. Um, so it can definitely be something to play around with, again, on an individual basis. When we're making any change, you know, it's often good to do it, you know, with support if possible from a health professional. So, you know, you have some support with that. Um, but the other thing is to do things one at a time. So if most things in your life don't change and you start to play around with reducing, you know, fizzy drinks or caffeine, doing those things one at a time will help you to see whether that's making a difference for you, you know, and it, it could do in that example. So interesting. Um, James has said, I've cut out coffees and I'm now having an awful headache. Ah, so this sounds like the withdrawal, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as I was saying, that can last for up to nine days. Um, if it's going beyond the nine days, then I'd be looking at your overall hydration levels as well, because it might be that by reducing caffeine or sorry, reducing coffee, you've reduced your overall fluid intake if that hasn't been replaced with other fluid. And really the best thing to do is look at the color of your urine and we're aiming for that pale straw or pale yellow color and um, to indicate good hydration. Yeah. And I guess another, um, another question about, which is kind of the opposite to getting anxiety and headaches and things is about relaxation. So mm -hmm. Sue has said, I have young children. It's the only thing that I feel relaxes me is my cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So do you think that could be the case or it's maybe habitual yeah, and I mean, it's really valid as well. And I think that brings us back to, as you're saying, kind of the habitual element, the ritual. And it can be such a nice little self-care moment to sit down with a hot drink, you know, whether it mm. contains caffeine or not. Um, and also then, you know, it it can impact our mood. I know we've been talking about um, kind of the stimulating effect in terms of alertness, but it can make us, you know, feel good in terms of our mood as well. Um, and, you know, as long as that's not having any other negative impacts for you, then you know, I wouldn't see any reason why you would have to stop that. Um, again, it's just individual and making sure that the benefits are outweighing any side effects. It really is individual. I notice myself, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those rare, rare people that does not enjoy coffee at all, mm -hmm. never have done, don't like the taste. Um, but I noticed that when I did try it, you know, I really would feel not palpitations, but I felt anxious and I think yeah. I'm just one of those people whereas my partner could drink it and be totally fine so so many differences in it and I'm interested in this question from Laura who said is it true caffeine can help your skin health and slow aging interesting I can't say I've seen any research related to that in particular um I don't know if you've heard anything about that I mean no, not really. And uh -huh. I guess with aging, perhaps Laura's a bit confused with the, the myths surrounding collagen, potentially, maybe. Uh, yes, possibly. Um, and I, what, possibly, actually, I'm just thinking of skincare products like eye creams mm. and things that contain yeah, caffeine. They do, yeah. Um, so topically, again, I haven't looked at the research for that, um, 
but I have heard that it might help with kind of puffiness and circles around the eyes, but I can't say that's my area of expertise. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, do you know, you're right, because um, I used to um, buy a, a scrub, like an exfoliator that had mm-hmm. loads of coffee granules in it and things like that, because there were some myths, um, I remember back back in the 90s, that, you know, coffee scrubs reduce cellulite and all of that awful uh-huh. stuff you'd see in the magazines, make your own um, <laughs> terrible diet culture scrubs. Yeah. Um, but we move on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You shouldn't drink caffeine past 2pm. I would say fact for the most part, but really just making sure it's not within six hours of bed. Removing caffeine from your diet will improve your overall health. I would say fiction. You know, there are a lot of benefits to caffeine. Again, it's quite individual and depends on the amount. Coffee disrupts your sleep more than alcohol. Oh, that's a good one. Um, So they both absolutely impact sleep and sleep quality um i don't know how i would compare both of them i think i'll i'm leading towards fact <laughs> I, it's, it's this funny one that because when we were writing it i was thinking oh you know because we've obviously got research for haven't we both it's just very difficult yeah. to know um yeah the internal mechanisms there would need exploring um energy drinks are the best source of caffeine um so they can be one of the highest Um, sources of caffeine but some types of coffee that we get from coffee shops in particular can be really high so again swaying towards Mm -hmm. fact but not all the time well do you know that's just reminded me so I'm interrupting the fact or fiction round now but there was a study in Glasgow I believe and they went and investigated individual coffee houses and they found that one shot of coffee somewhere could contain anywhere between 50 to 150 um, it must have been milligrams of caffeine compared to other shops. So it can vary. You think you've had a cup of coffee that's low. It might be really high. Yeah, it's That's such a good point. And there was another study actually from the US and they found that even within the same coffee shop with the same drink on different days, it varied from like 260 to 560 milligrams. Whoa, that's huge. So yeah. straight away, none of those are working for you then. That's... goodness me um huge variation um yeah Yeah. i'm glad we brought that in actually um right back to the fact or fiction round your blood pressure will rise when you consume caffeine (laughs) facts definitely in the short term workouts can be fueled by caffeine alone oh fiction um so it's not fueling Mm. a workout in the same way you know that carbohydrate would um but it can help with that endurance as we mentioned love that if you regularly consume caffeine you need to drink more water uh fiction um as i said you know the the fluid in the caffeinated drinks well if it's a drink anyway um then that would would offset it exactly so i guess i would just be going back to monitoring your individual levels of hydration Mm. coffee drinkers will always get less hours of sleep at night fiction again it's around the timing Mm -hmm. Productivity increases with caffeine. Fact. And our diet will affect how we process caffeinated products. Hmm. I know. <laughs> I've asked you sure because I don't one. know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I think you would know. That's why I put it in. <laughs> it's it's interesting because I often think about um, from the opposite direction. So, you know, the impact of caffeinated yeah. drinks on, we'd mentioned iron, we'd mentioned calcium. Mm. 
And the other way around, I mean, when it comes to the um, nutrient absorption and the interactions between different components in our diet, it is really complex. So I would say probably fact, um, mm. but that's one I'd need to look into. Yeah. Um, well, if you ever do and you have the time to, please let me know because I'm fascinated yeah. by that area. But Maeve, that does nearly wrap up the episode. And I think it's been a really good straight to the point one on caffeine today. And I think we should really finish with a take home message. Um, and I guess I guess mine would be that caffeine is really everywhere. And I think it's almost become such a common integrated part of our social norms and the society that we live in essentially that um i think a lot of people think they can't survive without it but actually maybe it's worth experimenting sometimes and then when you do go back to using caffeine or a cup of coffee you might notice you're more productive and then if you're able to take it out of course it will be good to see if you're really heavily reliant on it versus it's something that you enjoy every day um I think that there's so many interesting points Maeve's raised, especially around sleep and um, anxiety. So perhaps something to be aware of there. Um, Maeve, do you have a food for thought or a take home message you could leave our listeners with today? Yeah, so I would say that caffeinated drinks, you know, they have lots of benefits, as we've discussed. But it's really important to work out your own tolerance. Again, that's really individual so that it's not impacting your sleep or anxiety levels in a negative way. Um, and really just echoing that point about not consuming caffeinated drinks within six hours of bedtime. We'd mentioned, you know, mid morning being quite a good time to have caffeinated drinks um, and really stick into that kind of moderate level. We've been discussing that 400 milligrams unless you're pregnant or breastfeeding, in which case it's half that amount. And really, like everything, when it comes to nutrition, it's about working out that right balance that works for you on an individual basis. It's so good to delve into the pros and, and the cons of coffee in general and just to recognise individual differences. So thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Where can our listeners uh, go to learn more about what you do? Thank you. It's really lovely chatting to you about this. Um, so you can find my website, dietheticallyspeaking.com, or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Dietetically Speaking. Perfect, Maeve. Thank you for coming on Food for Thought. Thank you. Bye. If you are enjoying Food for Thought, you are going to absolutely love our up and coming episodes. So if you don't already, make sure you're subscribed. That way you will be the first to hear it every Monday. It would also be brilliant if you have the time to leave a review. These reviews are so crucial to make sure that we can reach more people and of course reach those higher highs in the charts. For more information about my nutrition clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com. You can follow me at nutrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, don't forget The Science of Nutrition, my latest book, will be out December the 30th, 2021. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.